I'm like, and he said, you know what, come on down, because I believe that one of our prayer team has a word from you. And immediately, one of the ladies said, okay, hang on, I'm going to stop this and we're going to restart. I want to get this on the recording. I really like testimonies of God doing stuff now uh, online. So when people come to hear a message, they hear prophetic or supernatural stuff up front. And it, and it really inspires people when they listen to believe God for supernatural things. So take two. Sorry. Okay. Here we go. Because right after you mark Okay, just, just to back up, in 2011, I was in Australia visiting some friends in Brisbane. And we went to church on a Sunday morning. And uh, the pastor said that the Lord had woken him up in the middle of the night with a dream saying, there's going to be someone there um, who... Uh, I have a word for from the United States. And so I'm looking around, you know, I don't want to be presumptive, but I raised my hand. And in fact, I was the only one there from the U.S. And they called me down and there was a a woman intercessor. And immediately she said, yes, I have a word for you. And I'm not going to go into the whole word, but basically it was um, you're going to be you're going to step into a fast moving river. But I want you to know that I'm in the river and I'm going to be with you. And so I came home from that trip and within like two weeks. I had been diagnosed with cancer the first time. And uh, it really helped me to know God was kind of preparing me. He's with me through this really tumultuous time. Well, fast forward to um, 2015, and some of you may or may not have heard the story about how Sunday morning before uh, I got the phone call about my abnormal screening, it was about 5.30 in the morning. I gotten up early because at our house, if you want to have any quiet time whatsoever, you got to get up early. And uh, I had prayed, and I was in my bathroom uh, putting on makeup, and I was praying in tongues, and I heard the Lord say to me, um, plan for longevity. Now, you can ask my husband. Even though I, I tend to have dreams, I don't always have dreams from God, and I rarely think I've heard something audibly from God. But I told him after church, I said, it's the weirdest thing. I heard the Lord say, plan for longevity. made no sense to me what that meant. Um, and he's like, hmm. And then the next morning, we took a walk, and he said, you know, I wonder – what that might have meant and it was that afternoon that I got the phone call from uh, the the radiologist saying we need you to come back in and as you can imagine that word meant a whole lot to us as I got the diagnosis and uh, we went through a valley so why am I telling you this story two reasons number one is um, sometimes the Lord supernaturally has a word for us and um, those times are amazing but other times um, it's really about you know, it, we, we would really like the Christian life to be about going from mountaintop to mountaintop. Wouldn't that be nice? But unfortunately, that's not the way it is. And many times when we're in the valley, while we're praying for deliverance, he's waiting for us to recognize him in the valley. And sometimes in order to recognize him, we have to make time to be able to hear him. And if, you know, I don't know, if I hadn't made time right before my diagnosis the second time, I mean, the first time was supernatural. It was like God saying, putting his finger down from heaven. The second time, I made time to hear. And um, a lot of times, I don't understand why. Some of you may say, well, if God could have taken the time, both of those times, to warn you about what was coming, how come he just didn't heal you? I don't have the answer for that, but what I can tell you is I have never grown more I am so thankful, seriously, I am so thankful for the things I've taken out of both of those valleys, the endurance, the character building. Um, You can ask John. I am a different person, and I'm so thankful for those valleys and that I recognized God next to me in the valley, and I grabbed hold of him, and I got everything out of that before I came back up, and now I'm on a mountaintop again. But um, So be open to words from God, but also make time in the valley. Instead of crying for deliverance, say, okay, God, 
I'm going to recognize you right here and right now and what you want to give me uh, through this valley. Good words. Well, um, gosh, hope not to outdo you, but I, I, have a, I have a personal prophecy story, too. It was a second Sunday in January, I think, just two Sundays ago, and it was down here in the pit in worship, and I said to the Lord, what do you want to say to me for this year? Do you have anything you want to say to me for this year? And very quickly, almost immediately, this thought came, oh, background, um, we've been traveling quite a bit doing conferences here and there, and um, I fret about the schedule. I'm a, I, administration is of the devil in, in, in my life. And I fret administration something fierce. And so I get all wound up about what's coming in the schedule and making it all fit and blah, blah, blah. And so I said, what do you want to say to me this year? And um, the thought came immediately. Uh, I don't want you to think about the events. I want you to focus on the person who's in front of you right now. And I thought, oh, that's really good. That's good advice. Thank you, Lord. Then the end of the service came, and um, I was up here praying for people, and, and then there was no one to pray for. And I saw Les and Donette standing there, and there's no one to pray for for them. So I went over, and I said, hey, guys, just, uh, you know, give me a prophetic word, Les, Donette. Just wait on the Lord. See if something comes. And he waited. It couldn't have been more than, I don't know, 15 seconds max. And he said, I believe the Lord says you're not supposed to worry about the events. Just worry about the person who's in front of you. (laughs) Yours was way better, but I had to do something. Come on. But did you do it? Okay, and John's question is, which is the question with prophetic words, is did you apply it and and did you do it? Yes. Yeah, no, really. She'll, I'm, a, I'm, an even new, I'm an even newer person than Hope. I'll tell you what, I've known Hope for a long time, and what she says is absolutely true. She is, you are a different person. And I'm betting, this is what happened to me through my crises, uh, I, I ended up liking myself a lot better afterwards than I liked myself before, and enjoyed life way more afterwards than before. Ditto? Yeah. I mean, God takes tragedy and turns it into your best Amen. best thing, which is really creative, right? We think God's really creative when we go out and walk in nature. No. Nature is an expression of what he did when n- nothing bad happened. That was easy for him. Creating something good out of the mess of our lives takes real creativity. That's where his genius is shown. So anyway, prophetic words are really, really helpful. So today we're going to do who, what, where, when, why, and how of prophetic ministry. And then tonight we're going to focus on the how. When we have a little bit of how this morning, we'll do all the W's, we'll do the how, and have real practical, hands-on experience tonight. So let's start. And guys, I know a lot of you already know this, but just hang in for the stories. And a lot of you have heard the stories. Hang in for something that might be new, all right? God will find a way to take something 
out of this and give it to you. But for those of you that haven't thought about this, this is going to be really instructional. It's going to be really helpful. What is prophecy? It is speaking words that only God can speak. In other words, knowing only what God can know. It's speaking a word from God for a particular person or group at a particular time for a particular purpose. It can speak about the past, the present, or the future, or any combination of the three. We can call it wisdom. We can call it guidance. When God speaks his mind to your mind for you, something you could not know, we usually call it guidance. When he does it the same for somebody else, we usually call it prophecy. But it's his mind for your life or his mind through you for somebody else's life, or his mind through you for some group of people, a family, a church, whatever. Why does it matter? Because he designed you. He knows. He, it, this is just an interesting thing about God. He's in intimate communication with every atom in your body right now. That's how well he knows you multiplied by billions of people and billions of atoms in billions of people. His intelligence in his mind is, well, incomprehensible. We, we can't get our minds around his intelligence. So since he designed you and knows you perfectly, he actually knows what's better for you than you do. Doesn't that follow? So having his perspective on your life is pretty much the most important thing in your life. His thoughts for you and your thoughts about him define the quality of your life. Knowing his thoughts about you and how he's designed you and what he's made you for and what your purpose is and and where you work best and how you work best, what your emotional needs are, what your spiritual needs are, what your physical needs are, he knows that better than you do. So knowing what he's thinking about you, or having a complete stranger come up to you and tell you something about yourself that you've been wondering or questioning, that, that can only be supernatural. You just had a supernatural encounter with the wisdom and the intelligence of God coming through another human being. How can you doubt that word? See, when I give advice to my friend, he goes, well, that's just Mark. He knows me really well. That's nice. But when someone who doesn't know me tells me what God tells me what I was saying to God an hour before that's not something I can easily ignore no that was supernatural we can bank on it who now there's some confusion here who can prophesy paul tells us that alone not all will be prophets, quote-unquote, the office of prophet. All are to prophesy. And this means that all Christians can and should prophesy. But not all will do so with a consistency and accuracy that will, will result in them being recognized as prophets. Are you with me on that? In other words, look, all the time, every day, we should be open to the idea that God will speak His thoughts into our minds to give to someone else. And whenever that happens to us, and when I say happens to us, the trouble is we often expect, and we're going to deal with this tonight, but we often expect prophecy to come with some sort of emotional buzz. 
some sort of validating emotional experience. So, oh, that had to be a word from the Lord I'm getting right now. In my experience, it's almost never that. It's a subtle little thought coming into my mind that sounds like my mind, sounds like my thoughts, but it has its origin in God. So here's the deal. If it sounds like my thought, how do I know it's God? Should I deliver it? Well, short answer, in my life, I'm almost never sure it's God. I'm always at risk, and it's always a risk worth taking. Because when it is God, which is a lot of the time, the payoff is profound. It's profound. It's life-changing. Absolutely life-changing for people. And I will risk looking like a fool to bless someone else's life. That's the only question we have to have with many of the spiritual gifts. Am I willing to look like a fool in order to bless somebody else's life? Well, Jesus did. It's called the cross. Everybody can and should prophesy, which means we're all at risk. We've got to be taking risks with what we think might be from the Lord. What happens when you're wrong? You get to exercise humility. What happens when you're right? You think you're Superman and you have to cope with pride. There's no win in this deal. It's good for us either way. When we're right, we're encouraged. When we're wrong, we learn to forgive ourselves and keep on trying. We learn perseverance. We learn a lot of good character things. Prophecy is for everybody. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. Hello? You received Him at conversion? He may not be that active in you, but we can fix that. (laughs) We all have the Holy Spirit. And since this is a gift of the Holy Spirit, and since He lives inside, where are the gifts? They're inside of you. How do they come out? According to His prompting with you saying yes or no. Do you pick the gifts? No. He picks the gifts. They're His gifts. You have a choice. You can say yes or you can say no. Or like most of us, you can say maybe if it's convenient. Which is just like a no, by the way. The Holy Spirit decides which gifts we will specialize in. And when a person specializes, because God has called him to that, into prophecy, it becomes recognized over time to where people say, well, he's our prophet. doesn't make him special. It makes him specialized. It's in my new book. <laughs> it's one of the phrases in the new book I like the best. It's awesome. I should tell you some more, but you're going to have to read the book when it comes out. Anyway, it doesn't make you special. It makes you specialized. All we do is say yes or no. Why prophecy? This Paul says, what does Paul say about prophecy? What does he say about spiritual gifts and prophecy? About a hunger issue. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, he's put prophetic ministry pretty much at the top of the heap. That has got to cause us to say, why? What is so special about this gift that we should all eagerly hunger for it? 
I learn through experience. That's why I tell stories all the time, because I learn something from the story. Here's how I understand it. I was in Houston, and some of you have heard this story, but it's just such a good one. I was in Houston a number of years ago, and I was teaching what I'm going to teach tonight at the workshop, and it is how to, how to perceive and identify God's thoughts as they're coming into your mind, because that's really the issue. So I was, I was teaching on this, and there was several hundred people in the room, and then we got time to practice, and, I, and we're going to do this tonight. And so here's what it looks like. I want you to find the person in the room that you know the least. Don't introduce yourselves. Don't say anything to one another. Find the biggest, not the strangest person, but the biggest stranger to you. And pair up and spread out all over the room so you're not too close to anybody else and get into twos. And once we're in twos, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and begin doing prophetic ministry. And I want you to pay attention to mental images, Thoughts, Bible verses, emotions that rise up, physical sensations. We're going to talk about all this tonight. Because God can communicate through all these ways. And I want you to pay attention to what comes to you. We're only going to do this for two minutes because people, every time I've done this over 30 years, if God doesn't speak in the first 15 to 20 seconds, He's not going to. He's so, He is so faithful to do this. Our God is chatty. You know, he spoke the world into existence. And then he thought about you and designed your genetic code, which took him a split second, and it's the most complicated molecule in the universe. He's a talking, communicating God. He loves to communicate with his people. We're just not sure of how to hear him. So I said, you're going to wait a couple minutes, and then we're going to, when it's finished, you can pray over one another, whatever comes. Maybe it's a prayer application, do that. But then we're going to have a reality check. We're going to find out if it really worked by inviting pairs who want to to come up and say, what did this person say to you that you really believe was from the Lord, that fit the circumstances of your life, that answers a question you've been dealing with, a fear that you've had, something really relevant that we can say, this word was clearly from God. So we did it and people started coming up and there was some really amazing, like one woman, um, I said, what did she say to you? And she said, well, she... She said she saw an airplane, an airliner heading south, and the word fear. Just a picture of an airplane and one word, fear. And I said, why is that relevant to you? And she said, I'm from, um, I think it was Colombia. Colombia or Bolivia, I'm not sure which. She said, I'm from Colombia and my brother's really sick and they're not sure that he's going to live and I'm supposed to go back to see him before he dies, but I have a terrible fear of flying, and I'm afraid to go. Isn't that cool? And I said, did she pray for you? And she said, yeah, she did. And I said, how do you feel? She said, the fear's gone. I'm going to book my flight, and I'm going to go. So this, this was like gold, right? Like, oh, boy, everyone's faith is rising in the room, and we're having a good old time. Well, before they paired up, I saw a guy, it was a slanted, really sloped theater, and I saw a guy up in the corner by the doors, about 19, 20 years old, just standing there, and another guy down here in the corner, about the same age, and uh, the kid stood for the whole session, didn't even find a chair. Like, should I stay, should I go? 
And as they were pairing up, people were getting their pairs. And pretty soon there was just that guy standing there and this guy down here and a few other people. And I said, hey, you up there in the corner, why don't you pair up with this guy down here? So down they came and they paired up and they were late to the party. But they came up after three or four people sharing. The two guys came up and and I said, "Um, what did he say to you? And he said, well, one word. And I thought, this isn't going to be good. One word. Like, how can one word have any real meaning from God? And I'm, I'm already, this is bad, but I'm dismissing it. Like, we'll get on to the next one. It'll be good, like the airplane. We'll get on to a good one, and we'll recover from this, whatever it is. Look, we're human, okay? All right? Bad judgment, yes. So I said, what did he say to you? One word. Okay, go ahead. What is it? He said, well, he said, um, he said, Michael. And I said, well, why is that significant to you? He said, that's my name. I said, did you introduce yourself before you started this exercise? He said, no. I said, why is this so important to you? And this is what he said, and this is the lesson, what it's all about. He said, for the last several months, I have been believing that God has forgotten my name. It's so cool. But it gets better. Then I said, now the other guy, what did he say to you? And he said, one word. And I said, what is it? And he said, John. And I said, what's your name? And he said, John. Here's the deal, people. Listen. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many years you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how much Bible you've read. It doesn't matter anything. There are times in our life where we begin to believe that God has forgotten our name. Has anyone ever felt in this room that God has forgotten your name? We need to be reminded that He watches and cares for us and our lives. And when a prophetic word comes that speaks the secrets of your heart to you, you are reminded that He cares about you and knows you and has not forgotten any details in your life and that He is there for you. There is nothing more encouraging than knowing, like that word you got in Australia, If he'd not spoken that, it would have been really dark experience. But you had comfort going into the experience because he'd already spoken to you. It just changes the quality of our lives. Why prophecy? Because everyone needs to know God's not forgotten about us. Number two, to direct intercession. Many times, God will give you prophetic information about another person's life so that you can pray effectively for them. I prayed for someone here this morning. And I said, do you mind if we wait for a minute to see what God wants prayed for you? Because, listen, I don't want to pray my prayer for that person. My prayer for that person is useless. That's an expression of my heart and my mind and my agenda. And my understanding. And you know, most of the time, we pray our prayers for people. We tell God what God should do, in our opinion, 
for us and for them. People, listen. What's Jesus doing right now? Where is he? He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's probably kneeling, maybe not, but he's imploring, he's interceding for us and the lost. Now, you say with billions of people, well, Jesus has a big brain too. And he and the Father and the Spirit can handle it. And he's pouring out his heart and his thoughts and his prayers for people. When you come to pray for somebody, wouldn't you rather be praying the prayer that he's praying rather than the prayer you made up? Which prayer is more likely to get answered? Which prayer is tapped into power? And the Spirit who searches the mind of God When we don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays for us. He prays on our behalf through us. The gift of prophecy will tell you what's going on in another person's life. What, so you can go and correct them and chew them out and exercise a little pharisaical judgment? No. So you can intercede for them. So you can bring, so you can be the conduit of God's love into their life to see them change. To see them healed. I was traveling. I was doing a series in Canada on um, intercession. We were studying intercession as a church. And I, I was working on this idea that it's better to pray God's prayers for people than my prayers for people. So we were driving. We hadn't moved down here yet. We were just coming. Two winters we came in sabbatical before we moved. We were driving down through the various states and going through Nevada And we're heading towards the California border across the desert. And uh, Shelly fell asleep and I had no one to talk to. So I was bored, so I thought I should pray for people. You know, when you don't have anything better to do, pray for people. (laughs) Pathetic. So I thought, who should I pray for? And the Lord told me I needed to pray for my mentor, who I was going to see. And... uh, I started praying for him, and then I caught myself. Oh, you're, you're, you just spent all this time teaching these people they need to ask the Lord how to pray, and here you are praying your own thoughts. That's not very bright. You really ought to be asking the Lord how you should pray for him. So he was kind of at a difficult place in his life. And uh, I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm just praying my prayers. I said, uh, how should I pray for him? And very quickly, within seconds... New vistas. What the heck is a new vista? Pray for him for new vistas. But I thought, well, that's all that came. I said, Lord, he needs new vistas. He needs a new perspective. He needs to see things from a different elevation. He needs to see what you see. He needs to see his, I mean, I'm getting the wisdom now. You know, he needs to see your plan for his life. He needs to have more faith for what you're going to do through him. He needs new vistas. And I prayed for 15 or 20 minutes. And then I came to California. About a week later, I met a prophet, a guy that traveled to Canada years ago and changed my life and changed Shelley's life. He prophesied our wedding. He prophesied when we were going to get married. And I said, that's impossible. That will not happen. It's premature. It's not good for the church. It's not good. It's too soon. That will not happen. He said, no, you're getting married in August. It was in February. He said, you're getting married in August. No, I said, it'll be a year or two before we get married. 
My mother got cancer. My mother's the kindest person I've ever known. She's never asked anything of anyone. And I saw her and I said, how important is it to you to be at our wedding? She said it means everything. Three days later, we got married in my sister's backyard in August. People don't mess with prophets or they'll mess with your life. (laughs) Why did I tell you that? Oh, yeah. The direct intercession. Yeah, new vistas. New vistas. So I saw the prophet that did that to to us up in Canada. And he said, how's so-and-so, my mentor? And I said, oh, he's okay. He said, you know what? He really needs new vistas. He did. Like, who uses that expression? Right? Except maybe God. Wow. So listen, when you get something from the Lord for somebody, don't just dismiss it. Say, how do you want me to pray? And turn it into intercession. And don't go tell them. You need new vistas. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Usually, a premature word from the Lord before it's been properly prayed is usually a word wasted. Seed the ground with prayer for the word long before you give the word. And I've found many times, if if God convicts me of somebody's sin, He shows me somebody's sin, if I pray for it for several months, it usually goes away without having to say anything to them. Would that be great in your marriage? Would that be handy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Number three, to solve problems that are beyond our natural abilities. This in the Bible, this includes missing things, problems at work. Remember, John, you talked about Tim's. Tim does crown molding, and a guy who used to be in our church, he does crown molding and. Some of these cathedral ceilings have very, very complex compound angles and joints. Extremely difficult. And, and he had one that was just, he hadn't seen ever in his experience how complex it was. And he had a dream in that he, he couldn't solve it. He had a dream in the night. And in the dream, God showed him all the angles of each piece of wood that came together in the compound joint. And he went to work the next day and did what the dream said, and it worked perfectly. Is that cool or what? Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. It's pr- yeah, exactly. It's practical. The invention of the compound bow, the compound hunting bow, that came to a Christian who was working on bows in the middle of the night as a dream. And he went and filed the patent, and today he's rich. And that's the point, people. It's all about making money. I mean, if you don't understand that the kingdom of God is about money, then what's wrong with you? This is America. Come on. Get on the program. How to respond to a difficult person. Wisdom in relationships. Not just how to pray for people, how to handle people. You don't need that. If you don't need that, You're single living in a tent in the Sahara Desert. Family relationships. What job to take? What house to buy? 
was with before my dad died. He came down and visited, and he wanted to go walk on the beach. So we went over to Del Mar Beach, and um, it was a Saturday, right in the summer, busy. I mean, busy, crazy, busy. And he doesn't walk very well. And I was worried, and I said, we're driving down. I just see a line of cars. There's not a place to park anywhere. And I said, Dad, I'm going to pray for a parking space. And he started mocking me. He said, oh, you're one of those Christians that prays for parking spaces. You're one of the Christians that drive around all day wishing you had a parking space. I said, I said, I know it sounds silly, but I'm going to ask the Lord for a parking space. So I said, Lord, would you please help us by giving us a parking space? I'm not exaggerating. We're driving down the Pacific Coast Highway right there. You know, where the Del Mar racetrack's right here. We're just going by the racetrack. And there's that bridge and there's nothing but cars. I pray this. It's only a matter of, I don't know, maybe three or four seconds. And this guy jumps out from between, he jumps out from between two cars and he flags me down and points to his car and goes like this. Seriously. And so I park, I park and there's an hour and a half on the meter. I didn't eat. That's God. It's not the parking space that makes it God. It's it didn't cost the Canadian frugality master, the sensei of ascended cheapness. That guy, that, it didn't even cost him any money. And, my, and rubbing it in to my father. Cost of gasoline to drive to Del Mar, $2. Free parking, a dollar and a half. Holding it over your father for the rest of his life, priceless. Absolutely priceless. <laughs> Here's another one. Why, why prophetic words? Now, this sounds a little odd, but to confirm somebody else's word. To confirm somebody else's. This has happened so many times, you know. I'll be in a group and I'll get like what I think is a really good prophetic word. And I, I can't wait to share it, you know, for the glory. Like, this is going to be really good. This is going to be really good. And then God will say, shut up. He, well, he's nice. He's like, save it. Save it. So I'm waiting for the right moment to deliver my word and someone else gets up who's never done it before and this is their first try and they're all scared like they're, oh my, I don't know if it really is the Lord or not, but they're, oh, oh, you know, I see such and such and such and such. Like, dang, they stole my word. But I get the joy of saying, by the way, I got that same thing a few minutes ago. And God told me not to share it. I just confirmed your word. You did it. You did it good. That was right on. And they just like, yeah, I'm a prophet of the Most High God. Yeah, and we'll be doing that tonight. Yeah, we'll be doing that tonight. Okay, where? We got what, who, why, we're on where. Wherever encouragement is needed. It is for Christians for all of those foregoing reasons, but it's also for non-Christians to convict of sins and to reveal the inner secrets of their hearts so that they might say, God is surely among you. He is real. An accurate word of prophecy is a supernatural experience 
that reveals to the recipient the reality of God in their lives and it may lead to salvation. Prophetic evangelism should never be overlooked. Um, I've told some of you this story, but it's, it's one of my favorite stories. It's about four years ago. I went to the Kaiser facility up in uh, San Marcos to have a radiological, you drink the stuff, you know, and then they photograph the radioactive stuff running through your system. What a great idea. So I went and had that done, and I came out, and the nurse said that you need to drink a bunch of water right away because you've got to flush it from your system. So I was walking across the foyer, and I saw this young Hispanic guy, and he was loading a water machine with bottles of warm water. And I walked over and I said, can I buy one of those? He said, well, it's warm. I said, I just need the water. So I bought it and I started drinking it. And I'm walking across the foyer to leave. And this thought comes in my mind, go back and tell him about me. And I said, "Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, no, I don't want to. And I kept on walking. And I got my hand on the door and started to press the door to leave the building. And the thought said, go back and tell him about me. And I said, no, I don't want to. And I walked out, and I was just about to step off the curb, and this thought said, got hit by a car. Now do you you want to? (laughs) Now do you wish you'd stayed another ten seconds? No, I was about to step off, and the thought said, go back and tell him about me. And I said to the Lord, He said, you know, every morning... I have a quiet time, and every morning I tell you that I belong to you and you can use me any way you want. And the first time you ask me to do something inconvenient that I don't want to do, I say no. I said, okay, I will go back and tell him about you. But I actually said, throw me a bone. I said, Lord, throw me a bone. This is an awkward conversation. How do I start the conversation? And he said, you ask him a question. And I said, what? And he said, go back and ask him if in the last 10 days he has been wondering how he can know me. I said, okay, that's easy. So I went back and I said, excuse me, remember me? (laughs) Yeah. I said, well, um, and here's how you do it. This is the right way to do it. Don't, yeah, don't go, thus saith the Lord. You know, you, you don't get religious on them. That just frightens them frightens me too i said um i said i i know this sounds really strange i said i don't do this very often but i said i'm a christian and i believe that god communicates with me and sometimes i think he communicates things that i'm supposed to say to somebody else and i said and i think he just told me i'm supposed to say something to you can i do that and he said yeah i said well he told me to ask you a question says, what question i said well In the last little while, have you been wondering how you could know God? And he said, yes. I said, you want to know God? Yes. You want to do it right now? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Where am I? So I I led him to the Lord. You know, number of prints. We prayed together. He got saved. And then I, and this is, now this is where it gets interesting. I said, uh, you know, and I don't know why I said this. I just said, you know, God wants to know you a lot more than you want to know him. And he looked at me and he said, 
that explains it. And I said, that explains what? And he said, ten days ago, I was at the market. And an old man walked up to me I'd never seen before. He said, young man, God wants to know you. And then and he said, and then four days later, this old lady in the same market, she came up to me and she said, young man, the Lord says, don't leave your wife. And I said, are you married? He said, yeah. I said, how long? He said, a year. I said, are you planning on leaving your wife? And he said, I was, but not now. (laughs) So, I leave walking on air. I would not trade that experience for anything. Driving home, just like, so excited. But this, this thought comes to me. I begin to think, this is how you, the lessons, right? The lessons. I'm thinking about the experience and I'm thinking to myself, hey, say that old man, he goes to his connect group a few days after that experience and the connect group leader says, anyone got a praise report? Anyone witness this week to somebody? And the old man puts up his hand and says, yeah, at the market. What happened? Well, um, there was this young man and I thought God told me to go up to him and tell him that, God wants to know him. And the leader says, well, I hope you did the four spiritual laws. I mean, you did tell him the plan of salvation, didn't you? Yeah. No. He goes, you, 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 did, you, you did do that, didn't you? And the old man says, no, I just, I just uh, told him what I thought God said to me. And he feels rotten. Now he feels like a failure. Old ladies at her group. Anyone got a praise report? Yeah, I felt convicted to tell this kid at a market not to leave his wife. Well, did you preach to him? No. Why not? I don't know. I just gave him the thing that popped into my head. All right, look. What made my experience with this kid supernatural for that kid what made it a god encounter yes exactly what happened was my guess and we'll never know till heaven and we do the interview my guess is that this kid was not ready to get saved at the market 10 days ago god wants to know you yeah all right so what Then the old lady, don't leave your wife. I was planning on it. And then some stranger. It's three prophetic words, one of which does the harvest, two of which rose the hunger. Created a spiritual itch. When I pray for people that aren't saved, I say, God, give them a spiritual itch. Get under their skin. With, with, your, with the idea of you. Let the idea of you infect them. Get under their skin. See, if you'll ju- what, my point is this. If you'll just give the little bit that God gave you, you can trust Him with all the rest. Make sense? We don't have to close the deal prematurely. We can trust that His Spirit is at work. And sometimes we're sowing seeds and sometimes we're watering And sometimes we're harvesting. And you know what? It shouldn't make any difference to us which we get to do. 
Because it's all in His plan. Right? Okay. Shopping malls, buses, airplanes. Les specializes in airplanes. He gets most of his good prophetic words on airplanes. Restaurants. We've done that a number of times. When. The last W. When. Anytime it is needed. Anytime you get a word. With a few exceptions. And we're going to do them quickly and we're done. When it's in church, a meeting like this morning, there are guidelines. So let's look at one of the guidelines. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 33. Two or three prophets should speak. The others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. You can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Three principles we need to keep in mind from this passage. The first is this. Only a few prophetic words should be given in a church meeting. Why? Well, because church meetings aren't for the purposes of prophecy only. They're about worship, teaching, prayer, and fellowship. Worship, teaching, prayer, and fellowship. Prophecy should be helping those four things, not being the center stage. It comes and helps each one of those things when it's done right. So we don't need a whole lot of prophetic words. We just need the words that will help those other four things as they're proceeding. The second principle is that prophecy must be orderly and it must be judged by those who hear it. This is really important. When you get a prophetic word and you really believe it's the Lord, you absolutely expect the person you're giving it to to apply it and take it seriously, right? That's not your responsibility. That's their responsibility. What they do with the word is the application of the word. That's up to them, not up to you. All we do is deliver words. They get to decide how it applies to their lives. Number three, And I love this part. The spirit of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. This means that anyone who prophesies has self-control over when and how and if their word is to be spoken. And the timing of a prophetic word is often what makes it supernatural. If Les had come up and grabbed me before the service started and shook me and said, the Lord says to you, Don't worry about the big events this year. Just worry about the person who's in front of you. If he'd said that before the Lord had spoken it into my mind, when it came to my mind later, I would have thought it was nothing but me thinking about what Les had said. What makes it supernatural is that I had heard first, and that prophetic word came second, and that echoed powerfully to me that this was indeed an accurate word from the Lord. Does that make sense? So the timing of a word is extremely important. So we should be asking, when we get a word, is this for intercession? Not even to be spoken at all? Is this to inform my prayer? If this is to be spoken, when should I speak it? And he'll guide you on that. We have a protocol here, which I think is well worth knowing about for these services that we do. And that's that if anyone wants to give a prophetic word in our Sunday service... It should be previewed first by one of our senior leadership team. 
You can grab Jan or you can grab John or you can grab me. You can grab any of our more experienced prophetic people. And they'll hear the word first and they'll decide when it should be given or if it should be given. And I'll tell you, this has happened several times. Someone will come on a Sunday and say, I got a word and I'll say, what is it? And they'll give it and I'll say, come and sit with me right here and we're going to watch and see if the word should be given and when the word should be given. And we'll just sit there. And John, it's happened a couple of times. You'll be like uh, in the middle of a sermon and hit a particular point, And it's exactly what that person told me before. So I've actually interrupted you a couple of times and said, John, you need to hear this. She just got or he just got something uh, a half an hour ago that you need to hear and the congregation needs to hear right now. And when they get up and share it, like God is directing this service. God is in charge here. And everyone in the room has a piece of evidence that God is active in what we're doing and he's in charge of the service. Okay, we're out of time. Um, Dang, we're out of time. So I come tonight. And you'll hear the last little bit of this, plus a whole bunch of practical experience. All right? Let's stand, and I'm going to pray for you. We're going to stir up spiritual gifts.